to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. You're listening to The Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength strategy that can help fix the thoughts, feelings, and actions that can hold you back in life. Today, I'm talking about self-care mistakes. I hear so many people talking about self-care, and yet my inbox is filled with people who write to me asking why they aren't feeling better, even though they're taking better care of themselves. One of the biggest reasons people find that their self-care practices aren't helping them is because they're making some mistakes along the way. You might be thinking, but how can there be a wrong way to engage in self-care? Well, there's not really a wrong way to do it. But there are some misconceptions about self-care that can keep you stuck. I'll dive into the five biggest self-care mistakes I see people make in a minute. But before I do, let's talk about what self-care really is. It's essentially anything that you do to take care of your health. That includes both your physical and your psychological health. So self-care strategies are pretty broad. They can include anything from eating healthy and drinking plenty of water to taking time off from work and having fun with your friends. That seems pretty straightforward, right? So how could you possibly make a self-care mistake that will actually leave you feeling emotionally exhausted? Well, here are five big self-care mistakes that will do just that. Mistake number one, being reactive instead of proactive. I hear a lot of people say things like, I decided to cancel my plans at the last minute because I needed to take care of myself. But if you have to cancel at the last minute, it's actually a sign that you're not taking care of yourself. If you overschedule your life or you overcommit to work, you might find yourself having to disappoint people at the last second. Self-care involves being proactive about how you schedule your time. Block off time to do things that you love or just to have some time alone. It never feels good to cancel plans with your friends at the last minute because your anxiety is too high. It's horrible to have to go to your boss and say, hey, I can't complete that report on time because I don't have enough hours in the day to get my work done. And it doesn't feel good to ditch your family who's depending on you just because you need some time to yourself. You'll harm your relationships and your reputation if you aren't dependable. But if you regularly put time in your schedule to take care of yourself, you won't have to do these things, at least not very often. You'll establish healthy boundaries up front, say no to things that you don't have time to do, and you'll have the energy to do the things that you've signed up for. Mistake number two, calling the things that you do to look better, self-care. I used to work with this woman in my therapy office who was exhausted from all of her quote-unquote self-care appointments. But her self-care appointments involve things like manicures, pedicures, hair salons, and cosmetic procedures she didn't find any of those things to be relaxing or enjoyable. She found them to be expensive and stressful, but she thought she was engaging in self-care. The only reason she did those things, though, was because she wanted to look better for other people, not because they improved her well-being. If you love doing those things because you find it relaxing or you truly enjoy the process of getting something done to yourself, then it might be self-care. But not everyone loves those things, and they're not really doing it for themselves. They're doing it for other people. 
Going to a chiropractor or to get a massage to feel better are examples of healthy self-care. But getting a cosmetic procedure done because you're alleviating the pressure you feel to look better from the outside world isn't necessarily self-care. That's not to say that you shouldn't get those things done, but you don't have to call those things self-care just to justify the fact that you're doing them. I know several people who spend a lot of time rushing from appointment to appointment, and it adds more stress to their lives, and it really isn't self-care. Mistake number three, thinking self-care is supposed to always feel good. The things that improve your health aren't always fun to do. You aren't going to feel like exercising sometimes, but pushing yourself to do it can be self-care. And you aren't going to feel like doing hard things sometimes, but making yourself do those hard things, that's self-care too. Remember, it's not always about what makes you happy right now. Sometimes it's about doing uncomfortable things because it's good for your health in the long run. Working out when you don't want to or pushing yourself to go to a support group when you're kind of scared to do it, those things are self-care. So is waking up early to get some time to yourself, if that's really what's important to you. Those things don't feel good in the moment, but they're good for your overall well-being in the long run. So keep that in mind. Self-care isn't always going to be pleasant. Mistake number four, assuming it's one size fits all. For one person, staying home all weekend might be self-care. For someone else, though, pushing themselves to go out with friends even though they aren't feeling up to it is an example of self-care. It all depends on what your goals are. For someone with depression or a little social anxiety, pushing themselves to go do things they don't want to do can be really good for their mental health. But for someone who doesn't have much time to themselves, scheduling a weekend to stay home alone might be exactly what they need to take care of themselves. So it's important to know what you need to do to take care of yourself. You won't always get it right, though. Sometimes you'll step back when you really needed to step up and vice versa. But that's all part of learning more about yourself. And sometimes it's tempting to feel pressure to do what other people are doing. If someone tells you that they're reading a book on the beach as part of their self-care routine, you might wonder if you should do the same. But your version of self-care might involve a crowded dinner party where you get to meet new people. Or someone else might say that they hired a housekeeping service because they're taking better care of themselves. When you hear that, you might think, hey, maybe I should do that too. But if you're struggling financially, hiring someone to do your household duties isn't good self-care. But there are lots of things that you should consider when it comes to defining what self-care looks like for you. Your financial health, your relationships, your social life, your mental health, and your physical health. And sometimes those things can seem conflicting. An exotic vacation might be good for your mental health, but not your financial health. So it's important to consider all the factors before you decide if something's going to be good for your overall well-being. And mistake number five, using self-care as an excuse to self-sabotage. Sometimes my therapy clients will say things like, I skipped going to the gym yesterday because I needed to take care of myself. So then we'll spend a few minutes talking about that. And often by the end of the conversation, they'll grow to believe that perhaps they just use self-care as an excuse. They wanted to avoid doing something hard, but what they were really doing was self-sabotage. Your brain will try to get you to indulge in unhealthy things or to reach for those quick temptations by telling you that you worked hard or that you deserve it. But your brain lies to you. We've talked about this on the show before. And sometimes what you really need is to do something that's going to cause you to feel a little bit of discomfort because that's what will help you feel better in the long run. So you might pause and ask, what's really the best self-care in that moment? 
pushing yourself to do something you don't want to do, or perhaps cutting yourself some slack. Remember that rest is an important part of self-care. But if you find yourself having to choose between resting and working out, it's a sign you aren't building enough rest into your schedule. Healthy care should leave you feeling better in the long run. It should energize you and help you feel as though you have the tools you need to get through each day. If you're making some self-care mistakes, though, you'll end up feeling emotionally exhausted. So make sure you're not making these five mistakes. Being reactive instead of proactive. Calling the things you do to look better, self-care. Thinking self-care should always feel good. Assuming self-care is a one-size-fits-all. And using self-care as an excuse to self-sabotage. Keep in mind that some periods in your life are going to require more self-care than others. During the most stressful times when you think you don't have time to take care of yourself, those are actually the times when you need it the most. Think of it as an investment. Investing in yourself is never a bad idea. Make sure to tune into the show on Monday. I'm talking to singer-songwriter Jewel about the mental health strategies she uses and a new platform she's involved in that allows you to get help in a virtual world. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.